We are all connected. So join me as I talk to like-minded people about topics that are appropriate to the current times we are living in. My name is Lerato Shabalala and this is Relevant. Hello everybody in South Africa and beyond. Welcome to another episode of Relevant. I'm incredibly excited about my guest today. If I were to start reading all his awards, um, I- I'd never finish. We'd do it until 2021. That's how accomplished this man is. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is, for me, um, in the embodiment of black excellence and somebody that I quite revere. I'm very lucky that I actually uh, know him. Um, he is the founder and uh, um, the brand architect behind DNA Brand Architects. Please help me welcome one of the most amazing marketers in the Southern Hemisphere. Sylvester Chawuke, how are you? Hey, 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 hey. I'm so, 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 so excited to be relevant. Um, thank you for inviting me. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this conversation. And I must say, you know, having met each other so many times, it's so good that we got to uh, spend this time today to just chat about this. Really cool. Exactly. I mean, I think what's, what's wonderful is, you know, about you, Sly, is that you will try anything. I mean, one of the things I love about why you're an entrepreneur, you and I have done projects that have never gone anywhere, that circled, and this is part of an entrepreneurship, is that some things work out, some Mm -hmm. things don't. And so what I love about you is that you're Mm -hmm. always um, um, willing um, to, you know, go there. So I guess my first question to you, and you've been asked by several people who've interviewed you over the last last six months of us dealing with uh, COVID-19 is, how um, have you been dealing? How has it been? Now we're, we're level one, so things are slight, slightly at ease, but how have things uh, been for you and how have you been holding up? Mm. Um, I have to say, you know, when the president um, announced the, um, the lockdown in the first 21 days, there was um, a lot of anxiety, if, as you can imagine, in terms of how we were going to be able to manage the business um, through that transition. So I remember sitting in my office and having to think about what are we going to be doing um, over this period and how are we going to manage the clients, the projects, the financial aspects of the business, but also, you know, making sure that um, the people are also good over the period. So I was quite nervous, you know, and I was nervous about a couple of things, but mainly what the impact would be on the clients, which then impacts the business, which then impacts the people. people. And that. And, and that understanding was something that was quite important for me to get to. Um, so it was incredibly challenging. Um, and I think people talk about the financial business of, um, you know, of COVID a lot. So the financial impact on a business, um, but there is a, a, a lack of understanding of the, the, the emotional impact of um, the leader, the people, and and the ripple effect of, of that challenge across then what we do as well as businesses. Um, so it, it, it was, I think, just like anyone who is running a business or even an entrepreneur, a businessman or a, a, a store owner, um, the key thing was just the sustainability of the business over that period. And with um, a lot of uncertainty, because remember we were 21 days and then it got extended and then we didn't know when we'll be able to come back. So you're also not quite sure um, you know, 
where is it going to end? Because I remember the first 21 days, I had a plan of 21 days. So financially, this is what it means for 21 days, for our people, for our clients, for projects. But beyond that, because it was so, so, so open, it was very, very challenging because it, was, um, it, it wasn't quite uh, certain in terms of when that was going to end. Um, I must say that it, it resulted in a lot of reflection. Um, and I think for me as a leader, I think it's forced me to be even more brutally honest um, and clear about what is it that we need to achieve. Sure. I mean, I think one of the things that is a huge theme um, in all your interviews that I watched is you are always about the people first, always. Um, and you stress that it's not always about the money, that actually if it's about the money, and th this is where you and I really agree, that if money, if, if money is the reason why you want to be an entrepreneur, then you've got a bigger problem because that won't sustain you. But if you are aware of the people mm -hmm. and you take care of the people, then your business thrives. How have your, uh, you and your team sort of managed um, from being remote to then coming back into the office? And everybody has, I know from my team, people have been in different states of mind. Some people handled mm -hmm. it well, and then some people, it really has been very tough for them. So for you and the DNA team, how have you guys bandied together uh, during this time? I think from the beginning, it was clear that we needed to unite and um, manage the challenge that we were all facing. And luckily, the whole world was facing the same challenge. You know, every family um, in the country was going through the same thing. So the importance of us knowing that we need to ride this wave and we know that we have to ride the ups and the downs you know in business i think you know we know that you you know there are great moments but there's also some low moments as well um, and i think we knew that we need to ride this one together but part of that was also quite challenging in the initial stages because not all of us in the office come from the same background right so are people able to work remotely was a big question in the initial stages with our HR. Do they have not only technology, because we talk about the technology um, to be able to do so, but also do they have the space to do so? Can yeah. they go into a room and be able to have a conversation? Because not all of us have, you know, have got terraces and, um, and sitting ne next to the pool and, and having a nice Zoom call. Right. But there were a lot of, 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 of people, of young people, particularly who who needed to kind of be in their little closet so that they can have peace and quiet because the you know, where they live was not quite right. So it was quite important for us to understand what that lay, you know, the lay of the land was for each and every single individual um, you know, that was um, you know, engaged. And so part of that um, was just to make sure that we are all on the same page um, with regards to ensuring that we are able to deliver, you know, what is required. So the first thing was making sure that we all are able to manage, you know, during this period. And then emotionally as well, because remember, it was in a moment where also we are starting to hear about our family members who got COVID. And in, in, even in my instance, that I lost a couple of family members, you know, um, through this. So the emotional um, drain that also arrived because you now are concerned about the family and you're concerned about yourself and you're concerned about the health 
of your immediate family, but also the business, because an impact of, a, of an outbreak in an office like ours would be quite challenging to be able to kind of experience and manage. Um, and so I think just being able to be clear about what the challenges were and what is it that we we're going to, to, be, to be facing was paramount because at least we we're all on the same page, not only in terms of the business must do well, the money must happen, the clients must be served, because that's an obvious place to go. But yeah. you know, I missed all of them able to work properly in, an, in, a, in your environment and so many other difficult things that were happening. So I think that what was clear was that let's get our people set up, yeah. then let's identify what are the key projects and areas we need to focus on then let's then look at how we're going to do that and then let's just deliver that even with all of this and i think that was quite helpful in terms of how we've been able to do that and i, I must say two things happened the one was we all for the first time needed to rally behind not only the business but also fight a pandemic together you know yeah. um, and then two two what also happened was that some of the team members that I probably would have thought, oh, they're so junior or they still need a couple, you know, a couple of years to grow. I saw them rise so, so quickly. Yeah. And that was incredibly, incredibly exciting to see the, the, the improvement and, and, and what, what the challenge also led to um, uh, the growth of, 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 of my team. I was really you know, inspired by that. I think that's so incredible that there's, in, in a time like this, positive things can come out because that's true. It's not all bad. There are some amazing things that are going to emerge out of this time, whether it's finding your confidence or it's being able to um, see things differently. That's really, really crucial. So I love the fact that there's members of your team who blossomed during this time because we need mm. to take the good. We need to take the good. It can't mm. all be bad. So, you um, <laughs> you have many awards, but one of them is uh, one of the 100 most influential uh, Africans, which I think kind of is in line with who you are. You are an activist. This I know personally, and I think everybody who knows you knows how much you are um, about Black excellence. You wear, you walk the talk, you wear it, you... You know what I mean? The, the art that is hanging from your house is uh, South African, you know, um, Nelson Magamo to the masks that you wear, which are my closet. So you really are not talking black excellence for the sake of, of it. You really, you really are it. But I want to ask you, were you a bit surprised by that? Because you were the person who created other brands, not created, but hyped them, but made them better, helped them know how to communicate to people. And so whether it was Nando's or whether it was Vodacom or whether it was MTV, you, you were the person who was there talking about the brand. And then suddenly, not suddenly, but there came a change where you became the focus, where you as the person came up, became a person of interest. Did that surprise you a little bit that you became somebody that many of us, you, you have almost 60,000 followers on Instagram. And so we really we go to you. We, we, we want to absorb all your knowledge. Did that surprise you that so many people are like, Sylvester, who are you? Talk to us. <laughs> mm. I have to say, you know, it's, it's, it's humbling, you know, because 
um, when you start your career, you want to just um, survive and help your family and kind of, you know, get going and make your dreams come true, so to speak. Uh, and I have to say that when I was at Nando's, I think that gave me a, a, a huge opportunity to um, not only showcase my capability as a, as a marketer, but I think the work that was done is, the, is, is what led to who was behind that and who are the individuals behind that. And I think as a result, then there was lots of interest and people wanted to just know a little bit more about the person um, um, who was you know, doing the interviews and responding on behalf of the brand. And I think that it was surprising because I always used to think that um, from a brand perspective, um, it is about obviously building, um, you know, what you know, utilizing and supporting the brands that, you know, that you work with. And I think to, to um, now all of a sudden, I think be in a space where um, I too have got a voice, I can walk into the room without the brand was actually quite incredible. Um, and I must say, it also taught me the, um, the importance of, of not only doing the work you need to do for the businesses that you work at, but also um, being vocal about what you stand for and what you're about, just so that, that regardless of where you work, you will only, or you'll always carry with you in the essence of who you are. And the companies that you go to you know, would, would, would actually employ you for that, you know? And I think that for, that uh, for me was an amazing lesson. And I do advocate for a lot of brand managers, marketing managers or CMOs for them to have not only a, a, a good a, um, expression of their brands that they work on, but also their thinking and, and what they think about the space as well. I think it's amazing that one of the things you've always done is big up the people who came before you. Uh, in in the marketing and comms sphere, and you know all the stuff that you gain from them, and you speak about the things that you've learned, and I think it's amazing that you have become that person as well. And so I wonder if uh, 2019's uh, Stained Against Bland uh, were both authors, <laughs> and it is an incredible book. Can we see the book? I couldn't. Guys, the book is sold out in Cresta. Look at that. Look at him. Yeah. We love it. When I can such an amazing... it. Of course, of course. I'll, I'm, I'll, of course, I'll arrange a copy for you. Don't worry. Please, thank you. Thank you, Sly. So you must have known that they, you needed to download for people the, the, the information and all the things that you have learned throughout the years. How did you decide what to put in and what to leave out? Because I know from authoring that that's the most difficult part to decide what, mm. are the, what is the essence and what can I do without, what can I not do without? Mm. I have to say, I think I, I really struggled with um, exactly that, you know, in the process because it was about... Um, we, we can write a book about the story of Sylvester Chalky, but how is that going to necessarily help someone? And I was very critical. I think you, I mean, you'll understand that as, as an author, everything you write, you always think, oh no, it's not oh, great, no. you know, and you, and you always, um, you know, you, you know, you always kind of overthink it. But what was quite important for me was that over the last, um, you know, two decades, really, if I'm being honest, um, particularly in the last couple of years, I have had an avalanche of questions that I get on social media particularly around how did you do it where did you know 
um, how do you approach it, et cetera, et cetera. So these questions were almost very clear and I was able to cluster them in key areas because I could see where the interest was in terms of some of the questions. And then I was then able to um, respond uh, you know, through a book taking into consideration a lot of the questions that I do get, because I don't necessarily have the, you know, the time nor the ability to be able to speak to every single person that I get a question from, but the book was a good opportunity then to be able to um, answer that question that many would have, but in a way that can reach as many people as possible. So that was really the reason why, you know, in the, the book journey began, it was how do I try to answer these questions and how do I try to express, um, uh, you, know, the, you know, the avalanche of interest around some of the key themes um, that they've seen or expressed in my life. Um, the first manuscript came back and I was not convinced. I have to say, I was like, you know, because, you, you know, I was worried about being preachy. Um, I was worried about being tzibinky, tzibinky, um, you know, kind of. I, I didn't want it to be a lecture and I didn't want to be fluffy. So it was quite important that I really sit and I, I mean, we spent a lot of time on, on each and every single element of it to ensure that it was necessary for it to be in the book, not just for the sake of it. And that was quite important for me. I think it's so important that you actually mention the insecurities that we have. So when people see you have a book, <laughs> carry the book, they don't realize what a grueling personal experience <laughs> And you just, you go through all the emotions because creativity, um, we both are creative on a day-to-day -day basis, but when it's your name, for some reason, it carries so much weight. So I... I am glad you, you were honest about that. Do you have a favorite chapter? Do you have a chapter that if, if, if there's one thing that, that touches you where you feel like this, I'm so glad I wrote about this. Mm. Yes, I do. There's a chapter in the book, um, you know, towards the end of the book that is called um, Uniting for Success. That's the, that's actually the, you know, the, the, the chapter's name. And I think what was quite important for me in that chapter was about the opportunity that lies ahead, particularly amongst black creatives, young black leaders, um, black um, you know, individuals in corporate, um, that there's so much that we can do if we all collaborated and worked together to achieve, yes, to make something bigger. And I really, I always have a problem with um, too many talented black people running too many small little things versus um, a few black people running a big thing, you know? And I think for me, there's an opportunity for us to not only open small little agencies and have hundreds of them, but actually, you know, collaborate, you know, with, with, you know, with, with, with the value chain to build something much bigger. And it takes me back to the period, um, you recall that incredible agency, Head Boys McCann, which yes, is in Sunning Hill, yes, yes. Um, which was one of the first black-owned advertising agency of its nature, but also size and the work that was being created by this agency, phenomenal work. And I was completely touched by that. Every time I would walk into that agency, I would feel incredibly inspired as a black professional you know to be in the space because i knew that there was an opportunity and i think since then we, we haven't really invested enough in, in 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 building um you know agencies that are that are 
powerful, not only in terms of influence, but in size and in, and, and, and in its impact. And I think for me, that's what really excited me about the book um, in that chapter, particularly it was the, you know, the dream for what's to come and the opportunity that lies ahead for a professional in the creative space. I mean, this is why every time I talk to you, I feel so enriched. I mean, you and I are part of a, a WhatsApp group of quite incredible creatives in South Africa. And, um, and we both want to bring a positive thing into that space because of how much we get to learn on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that collaboration mm -hmm. is so crucial if you think about Jewish people and how they recommend the mm -hmm. doctor, the gynae, the accountant. That's essentially mm -hmm. what you're saying, is to build communities around ourselves um, and each other. So I want to mm. go back to 2012 when you decide to start DNA Brand Architects. Now it's important to note that at this point, your career is like this, like it's this. You are at the top of the game, you are doing really well. And there's really, there was really nothing wrong with you continuing um, in the direction that you were in. You would have probably ended up C-suite at a, you know, at a very sort of, uh, international company but then you decide to say screw this I am going to start my own company my question is mm. twofold is when did you realize that you're an entrepreneur this is important and I think Sylvester if you can talk to this please do not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur so I know we, we speak about it a lot there is no embarrassment in you working mm. with somebody else there isn't and any embarrassment no. at all. But no. you need the acknowledgement of understanding whether you can do this because entrepreneurship is hard, people. <laughs> it is difficult. Yeah. And it's easier to know that on the 25th, somebody is going to pay you than to figure out how you're going to do it for yourself. So when, my first question is, when did you realize that, you know what, I could do this entrepreneurship thing? And secondly, what was the passion inside of you that said, Sylvester, you've been making other people money. You can do it for yourself. Be brave. You know, what helped you to be that brave? Mm. The, that's a great question. And I think you are so 100% right. Um, sometimes, particularly today, we do um, glamorize entrepreneurship as if every single person on the planet needs to become an entrepreneur. Yes, yes, yes. And I have to be honest with you is that I never, never saw myself as an entrepreneur. I knew that I was going to be a businessman or a business person, working in a business, serving a business, because also we are good at that. We're good at doing our part to drive a big business. Mm -hmm. And I must say that having been involved with working with um, some really great businesses or in great businesses with some good leaders. I was incredibly, incredibly um, thankful and grateful for being in that environment when I was, learning all the things that I was learning in that time and being exposed to so many different challenges that a business can face. So the idea of being an entrepreneur was definitely not something that I thought I was going to go to do. I knew I was going to end up as a, a CMO of a, of a large global brand. I knew that. And I knew that I was going to 
kill it in, in that environment. And when I started DNA, I was head of marketing and communications at Viacom. Um, at MTV Networks Africa. So, you know, the paycheck was good. Um, the brand was amazing. The business was incredible. Yeah. So it wasn't really like I needed to leave that. And I really, I was, I was grateful for the experience I was getting. But I have to say, something happens when you are learning and, and, and growing, working for someone. You know, you, 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 you get to learn and see things um, that ask you different questions, you know. Um, how would you do it if it was you? How would you run this if it was your company? How would you, you know, so those questions were, were almost, um, uh, I would say, you know, they were taunting me, you know, because um, so Sly, it's so easy for you to judge, but what would you do if it was your business? And I think, oh, if it was my business, this is what I would do. And I think over time, this question just kept echoing louder and louder and louder. Um, and I think there was a time where I felt I was ready. And that, and that time, which actually links to your, your, your second question, it was not about I'm making money for another business, no. And therefore, I need to go and be, become an entrepreneur. I think it was, I felt pregnant with ideas of what I think a, a, a business can be like. And, and um, I had dreams about what I think I could contribute to not only the industry, but to um, almost to the experience that I've been given by my leaders before me. I felt like they had taught me so much and it was time for me to take the lessons and plow them in a space that will be able to not only fulfill my deepest wishes about what I wanted to do, but also will make them proud. I know it was weird, but I, I, I knew that Alex Okosi at Viacom would look at me and go, I'm proud of you, son. Doing this because of what I had learned from him, and I think that was something that really inspired me as well to to say, you know what, I knew that if things didn't work out, I can always call, um, you know, Viacom or Nando's and 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 get my job back, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I I knew that if I didn't do it, it was going to be um, something that would you know would would you know would stay unfulfilled for a very long time. So I say I bungee jumped because I didn't mm -hmm. overthink it. I just bungee jumped and I then I I just had to do it. Oh, I think that's I, I think that's so amazing. So what kind of preparation did you do both uh, uh, practically as well as emotionally? Um, so you know people say don't leave your job without uh, X amount of money. I mean, did you have yeah. to consult your parents? Because you have a very wonderful, close relationship with your parents. And what did they say? What kind of preparation? I mean, if you did any after the bungee jump. <laughs> <laughs> so after, you know, after the bungee jump, um, well, maybe let's go before the bungee. Yeah. Um, there was a, a, a lot that I needed to consider. At a psychological level, I have to tell you, there's a difference from, um, from being a head of marketing and communication at MTV or a director of marketing at Nando's or whatever, when you call someone to say, can I meet you? Because I need to show you something. There is a, 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 an easier acceptance for that happening, you know, much more comfortably. Exactly. Psychologically, and I didn't, and I didn't know this. I didn't prepare. The one day I walked into, an, into a, a new potential client 
And they said to me, who are you? And tell us more about your business. So I said, we're DNA brand architects. They're like, how long have you been in business? I'm like, uh, we just started. I didn't want to say one month. You know? <laughs> exactly. and, and, I have to, and I have to say, I walked out of that meeting feeling so sad because I felt for the first time, I was not Sylvester from MTV, Sylvester from Nando's. I was Sylvester from DNA, which had done absolutely nothing at that, you know, at, at that point. So I had to start from zero. And I really was quite, I almost had to have a, um, a mourning for the past, for that old title and what I was able to do and the rooms I was able to get in because of that. And now I had to go in with a new entity without any major credentials. It was really, really challenging. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my goodness, um, how am I going to be able to kind of get to a point where um, I can be able to get a, an, an appointment because of the fact that I'm from DNA brand architect. So that was a, at a psychological level, we know we, I, I really did suffer with, with, with that. I suffered with when people ask me, what, what do I do? And I say, I'm an entrepreneur. They wouldn't take me seriously. And they'll ask me, you know, well, what do you do? I work in advertising and I think, oh, please, or marketing or PR. They just think everyone does it. It's not that unique. Um, and because also there's so many people that are doing this right now, everybody with a cell phone and a laptop can do what we do in a way. Right. Um, and they say that. So I, I really did struggle at an, at an emotional level was I had to remember that I'm no longer, you know, s surrounded by this leadership at Viacom or Nando's. Um, I no longer had a big business that can manage and support me, whether it is on, from an IT perspective or budget or, you know, travel. And, and all those things had to, be, had to be something that I knew they, the back would have to, you know, start and stop with me. And that was quite interesting to kind of go through. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, in terms of preparation, I knew that if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you can't be an entrepreneur and have debt. I was very, I'm actually incredibly scared of, of, of debt. And I think it's, a, it's something that helps me a lot. Um, oh, I'm so scared of, you know, just someone know, calling me because they, you know, I can't, you know, I really, because personally, and there are two types of people, you know, there are people that um, almost having debt helps them fight, you know, fight some more and they become creative. I'm the opposite. When I'm stressed out, I can't, I feel trapped. I can't think, I can't be myself. And I think that I really, really knew that I'm not going to be able to make it if I actually have got a lot of issues. So being able to make sure that I can pay off a car and pay off my bond and have food and have petrol, I think those, and help my family, which was quite important because I, I you know, I'm a breadwinner. And so I knew that that needed to be managed. And so the, before I, I could bungee, I had prospects of um, a possible kind of, um, not a salary, but I could be able to put one plus one together to be able to survive. Um, and I remember, you know, this is a very personal story. Um, a friend of mine then uh, said to me, hmm, I would, I would have thought that um, by now you would have moved up the LSM ladder because I was staying in a two bedroom apartment because I was about to go to become an entrepreneur. And I, I, I knew that I couldn't really stay in a, in a, in a big place when I didn't need it, you know? So, you know, that kind of hurt at a personal level. I felt, Oh my God, am I going backwards? 
um, am I going, you know, from, you know, from what society, I suppose, expect. And I was being judged by staying in a two-bedroom apartment. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, it's tough. It's rough being an entrepreneur because the emotion, you know, is, is, you know goes from high to low in, in milliseconds, you know. Um, and I think the ability for us to be able to manage all that is important um, for any entrepreneur. Anyway, I go on. <laughs> no, I mean, this, this, is, this is a great conversation because I also have not talked publicly about the psychological dealing of not being Lerato Shabra, the editor of True Love magazine, Lerato Shabra, the editor of Sunday Times Lifestyle, just me, <laughs> you know. The, and I remember talking to a mutual friend of ours, Coach Obafo, about this, this feeling of coming with these big brands and then one day you come as yourself and nobody mm. tells you the, the, that feeling of not knowing like displacement almost you know and entrepreneurship mm. is, is an ego death because then you have to redefine yourself with us yes. and the title and the thing and you know so absolutely and i must say um, you know, what was quite weird, you know, was that I would get very frustrated about, um, I don't want to be a one-trick pony. You know, I'll, I don't want to be known for what I've done at Nando's, you know. And like 10 years later, you know, when people say, Sylvester from Nando's, I used to go, oh my God, no. I mean, is that all? Is that all they know? All they remember is me from... So every time... People read a bio and they'll talk about Nando's and I would be like, oh, but that is so many years ago. And there's so much more that I've done. So I was very stressed out by, I hope that it was not my best work. I hope that there's a lot to do. And because sometimes when they say, you know, Lerato Shabalala from the editor of True Love magazine, they almost place you in the past yes. versus being in the present. And that, you know, and that dance is, is hectic. <laughs> it is the most hectic thing and like you're speaking to my heart because these are conversations that you have internally that very few people can relate to but I think a lot of people can but we're not open about that feeling of, of um, lost but then you find yourself mm -hmm. incredible and then suddenly you have big clients and things start to work out but you first have to go through that psychological realignment how as, as as the breadwinner did your parents take it when you came to them to tell them see the title and the thing i'm gonna jump i'm gonna try something else were they petrified were they excited for you i was the one who was petrified they were not um in any way um, concerned, funny enough. And I think maybe they were quite naive about this whole thing <laughs> more than I was. Um, but I, I, I have to say that I actually tried to not tell them too early. I was worried about if I tell them, they think it's, a, it'll, they think it's risky and that might affect my decisions. So I kind of just kept it, you know, hush, hush, you know, for, for, you know, for a, um, a, a couple of months until I, I could find my bearings. But you know what I will tell you is that when I then invited them to come to the office a few years later um, to walk into, uh, you know, the building and to walk into the office, um, I, I, I cried so much that day because, you know, they kind of 
believed it in faith that it was going to work out. And when, it, and when I could finally bring them to an office that, that their son, I suppose, had built, it, 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 it validated the fact that it was the right thing for me to do. Um, but they were not too concerned. I think I was the one too worried about it. <laughs> I think that's so incredible that you, they've gotten to see you um, just ascend and ascend and ascend and seeing you through some important moments in 2018 you got married to uh, Jamelo mm-hmm. he's just a, a gorgeous person both in and out I'm, I'm lucky enough to, mm-hmm. to see both of you and so I guess one of the things that stood out for me and and your your the picture from your wedding you, you got uh, married at the Zeitz uh, Mocha. I think it had just opened actually um and then yes. the photo of you and do me that was taken by a female photographer I forget her name Jackie um is it Jackie yes it's Jackie yeah and, and it was voted as one of the uh best uh, wedding photographs of the decade, right? So mm. what was it like? I mean, wedding is something else. We'll talk about that. It looked so beautiful. But what was it like when you came to your parents and you told them you wanted to um, get married? To get married. Um, I have to say that it was probably one of the, the, the moments in my life where I felt that I grew the most because I was um, going in into an uncharted territory completely because I'd never done it before and none of us had ever experienced it. So I was very grateful, first of all, for the fact that I have, a, I have parents and both Jimmy and I have parents who let us be, you know, and um, of course, I'm not, I'm not in any way downplaying the fact that it was challenging for them and for them to, to kind of get to... Um, experience um, this new way of um, of loving, which is very different, you know, for them. And I think um, I personally was very, very worried about even if we say we're going to get married, how are we going to get married? How does it work? Who pays Lobola? Do we pay Lobola? Uh, you know, and I was I was really, really stressed out because I was worried about number one, are we doing you know, um, why are we doing this? And and if we are doing it, how are we going to to be doing it in such a way that it's, it it honors Dumi and I and our love for each other, but also honors our parents and the role they played in, in you know in us. So the the sensitivities around it were quite profound, and I and I I felt very very concerned about um, taking you know. Um, norms that, I, that, that didn't make sense to me and then being able to play them out in our wedding. And so it was quite challenging to get to a space that we felt was more comfortable for us to be able to manage. And part of that was, you know, lots of, lots of counseling before that was very helpful, um, you know, between Jimmy and I to talk about um, why we're doing it, what is the reason behind all of this? How would we want to do it? Just being able to really have that conversation and, and, and for months just get to understand that was something that helped me a lot. But my parents, they always focus on one thing, and to my parents as well, is are you happy? 
And, yeah. and I think when you are happy, it's almost very difficult for them to say no <laughs> <laughs> or, or to want to get involved. But I have to say the, um, the growth that came through that process was profound. And I, 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 I learned so much. And I think a lot of the times we underestimate our culture. We underestimate our, our parents. You know, we underestimate um, a lot of, 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 of things because we don't want to be out and open about those things. And therefore, we're not able to, to deal with them. And I think this experience for me, it, it taught me um, the, the importance of being true to self, but also being able to honor the people around you as you celebrate. Mm. Um, that was an amazing experience. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things, so both of us are from Soweto, and Soweto, we love our hood. But you know, Soweto is what it is, and our parents are of a particular generation. And I think, I, I guess one of my sort of last few questions for you, it's probably one of the most important things I would have asked you um, today. There are a lot of people, Sylvester, who look at you and think your life is charmed. You know, you've got three gorgeous uh, poodles. I think it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Mushka. Mushka and Lulu. <laughs> and your life just when when people go when you go and see Sylvester's Instagram, it's Ed Sylvester Chauke, by the way, you just realize how charmed your life looks. But everybody, as you said now, gets worried about things. Everybody, it's not easy. And I know there's a kid right now who is watching you who, first of all, is struggling with how do I come out? I think my parents know. And let alone getting married, let alone, um, I, you know, I want to be in a same-sex marriage. Just finding this, this time, because this time is constricting for a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of things come up. And it's, for all of us, it's very difficult to mm -hmm. hide things. People want to free themselves. And so there's, there's somebody who's watching you now, a kid who's in school. And I know your book, you meant it for uh, people who, who are students or are starting out in, 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 in jobs and yeah. that kind of advice. So you know, so there's somebody who's watching you right now and relating to you, but doesn't know how. And so the, the question is twofold. The, the question is about the acceptance of self, um, no matter what that is, right, for you, but particularly for somebody who feels like they have to come out about being gay to their parents. And what did your parents do differently? What kind of advice would you give to somebody, um, to parents of a child who's going to come out? Because as I say, um, it's, it's wonderful for us to write books and people look at us and it's very glamorized, but we are still mm. a human experience and we cannot inspire people if we cannot inspire them in the fullness of our being. And so how does, how, what advice would you have for somebody who has to be open with their folks and the, 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 the parents of a child who's coming out? What kind of sensitivities do you, can you impart that your parents were helpful to you with? Mm. I think that this is probably one of the most important questions. I think you are hundred percent right. This is, um, it's, a, it's one of the things that a lot of young people write to me about and ask me a lot of questions about because it is a challenging experience for anyone, for both 
um, the individual going through this and also the parents as well, because there is a, a serious implication for what that means um, for, for them and, and their community. So if you're a young person and you are experiencing, um, you know, feelings within you that you probably know, because sometimes our parents are never going to say uh, no very directly, but when you're watching TV, like what happened to me, I was watching television and, and they saw this very flamboyant um, gay guy um, on screen and my mom said, and I was 12 at the time, so I was quite young and I, I wasn't fully realized. My mom said, Kyo Sylvester. Oh, wow. And I, I cried so much because... Yes, too. Because I felt ridiculed. I felt like my mom was insulting me and they were making fun of me in the family. I, I walked out um, of the house and I was outside. Come um, on, and it, you know, I cried so much because I just, I couldn't believe that that's how my mom sees me as. And, and of course, at the time, I was just struggling with what does it mean to be gay? You know, does it mean that I'm going to be wearing dresses? Or is it, does it mean like I need to be like so easy? Or does it mean that I, you know, I am, um, I'm a drag artist, a performer? You know, so there's so many different aspects to it as well. And I was very, I was so scared to even say I was gay because I thought that being gay came with a lot of baggage and people would not respect me and they would laugh at me and they'll think I'm a caricature. And I was really worried about that. I still wanted to be myself and I, I, and I wasn't ready to assume that kind of gay or that kind of gay because I was still figuring out which one or, or, or you know, which gay I am. Right, because I didn't know. I mean, there's no school, you know, that you know that taught me that. So, um, what I'm trying to say is that there is a, a lot of internal work to be done to accept the fact that you are number one gay, but also not only are you gay, but um, are you so easy now? Because that's what people say. Yeah. Um, you know, are you now going to be RuPaul? Yeah. Is that what you you know? And I think because there's a limited. Um, and I still think it still is like, like that today. A limited um, idea of what being gay is and what it looks like. Because it's either we have to be headdressers, makeup artists, performers, flamboyant, um, you know, fashion designers. You know, it's always in the same kind of um, experience and expectation. So I struggle with that. So the, um, to a young person out there, I just want, you know, you to know that the struggle is actually part of the dealing with the with the outcome because it's hard for you to put yourself out to the world when you haven't really been clear about who you are so i think just being able to spend time thinking about that and and knowing that the questions and the challenges that you're going through are very valid and they make sense and they don't have to be um for um, for an experience for the whole world. It's what you go through and it's, a, it's what you have to deal with. And it's actually pretty okay for you to have those questions. Um, and we know that at that time, you're also very awkward. Um, you're also incredibly uh, concerned about what people think, um, your friends, your family, your community, your school, etc. But I think it's necessary. And I think that's what I want to um, say that it's 
okay to go through that because it's just as it's a part of the process of you getting to find your, your yourself later on. And when you do that, you will get to a point where you understand now this is the kind of gay I want to become, mm. you know, um, and that it's not that it's not that prototype that you are seeing and that you've been told. If you, you have to be clear about what, what is it that you, you want to, and no one can tell you that, you know, you are the one that needs to kind of find that. So firstly, spend time figuring that out, question. What helped me was writing them down, writing, writing the feelings, or now you can voice note, um, you can record them. I think there's a lot that you can do now, but just talk to yourself and talk to yourself a lot. Um, and part of your strength is going to come from that. Secondly, please, please, please. I think the thing is we want to be accepted, right? So, and I think that's what is the most challenging part is because we want to say the things that are going to make people us, uh, accept us more. And I think it's that acceptance that is the challenge personally for me, because you want your father to accept you, your mother to accept you, your friends to accept you, your school to accept you. But what if they don't? And I think that was a struggle for me is maybe I mustn't wait for them to accept me, but I need to accept me first because then I know I won't let myself down by accepting myself, but I know that I can't guarantee what my dad is going to feel and what they're going to say. So I think maybe the trying to be accepted is really what makes it very difficult, you know, what makes it, the road very difficult. Because I think only much later on in life, I felt that if they do not accept me, I will still have to accept myself. Yes. You know, I, I will still have to show up. I can't change myself now because they don't accept me. And that gave me so much more freedom. So I think accept yourself. And if your parents and your family accept you, bonus. But yeah. there is a chance that they're not going to accept you. But that, that doesn't mean that you can't accept yourself. Um, the question about family advice that I can give to parents, I think what was amazing for, you know, for me was I was terrified about my father finding out. And I was concerned about not only what he thinks, but what my uncles are going to say, my aunts are going to say. The extended family actually were more, well, I was more terrified by what they're going to say more than I was prepared about what they, what my parents were going to say. Cause I was worried about the shame that it was going to bring um, to my family. I, you know, I, you know, I thought, so I was petrified. And I think from my mother's side, what was quite helpful for me was, you know, eventually when I got the courage um, not to just say I was gay, but I think not saying it in, in those words for me was just bringing my, my, my mom in particular closer to her understanding that I was really battling with it myself. Yeah. So it wasn't like I just woke up and I went, yay, this is it. So, so I said to, so I said to my mother, it was mama. You know, um, and it's really, really, Difficult, you know, who be my phone? And because I don't know, I'm trying to figure it out, you know. And when I said that to her, I felt that she understood me. 
I felt like when she saw that I, it was a process for me, I am trying to come to accept myself in this new way, that it was difficult for me as well. It made it more acceptable for her to walk the journey with me. I think rather than I just arrived and I was gay and I was proud and I was excited. Yeah. That helped me a lot because they could see I was battling as well. And that I didn't just choose it like a multiple choice question, but it was a, a process that I was going through. That helped me. And when I speak to my mother now about it, I think that day changed it for us because um, if they knew that I could just change it, I could, I could just um, decide I'm no longer gay, for example, it was that easy, then I think it would have made uh, the process a bit more difficult. But they knew that I too was struggling like they are struggling with it or they're going to struggle with it. So both um, myself and, 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 and her and our, and our parents, we were, we were all on the journey of struggling to make sense of it. And that was what made it different for me. Ah, oh, Sylvester, you're just, I mean, you, the bars you've dropped in this interview have meant a lot to me. So, so I actually love talking to people because of what I get from people. And, and what you have given me and what you're going to give to other people with your honesty is uh, love. I think the most radical thing you can ever do is to love yourself because in mm. order to get to love, you have to accept yourself. And I love the fact that you spoke about the reality that not everyone is going to be on your team. And sometimes it's going to be the people you love the most. But if you are not in, on your mm. team, and no matter what it is that you are struggling with, that if you don't have mm. that love for yourself, you can't push through because... Accepting yourself, Sylvester, allowed you to walk into boardrooms as yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I know somebody yeah. who was in marketing who would wear a wedding ring, even though he was gay, so that people didn't judge him and were confused, you know? And I just thought, geez, I mean, you're amazing. You're good at your job. <laughs> you're good at your job. This should not be the thing that now is like... Yeah the thing that clouds you and I think that because you you walked in as yourself and you accepted yourself from the beginning you were able to just be true and that's when you can really really um, um, reach your highest heights when you are yourself you can't do that mm -hmm. by pretending to be somebody else and I think that's why um, diversity and inclusion are so important Sylvester because you represent somebody who hasn't seen somebody who's gay like you and you speak to them. So that, that, that flamboyant guy speaks to somebody else. So the more diverse things are, the yeah. more people have references of like, oh, I, I like Sylvester's life. I want to have the husband and the fools. And, uh, you know what I mean? I want to go overseas with my husband. I want to... Like, <laughs> and you do that for people. And I think your existence is so important for the validation of other boys growing up in Soweto um, and looking at you and thinking, yes, I can too. You know, yes, I can too. Mm. Um, so I, I guess my last question, you're just so amazing, Sylvester. I want to talk to you all day, but we, you know what I mean? You, you yeah. So my last question to you is, I mean, you, uh, 
have been and sit on the advisory board for the World Economic Forums, uh, Global Shapers. You, from GQ to Men's Health, have been given all kinds of awards. Um, your, your life really has been amazing in terms of um, what you've managed to achieve so far, but you're not even 40 yet, right? So what is <laughs> yes. come, right? What is, what, what is the thing that makes you sing, that makes you excited, where you're like, I cannot wait. What does the future look like? Because we must get excited about some things. Yes, it is a difficult time, but we must get excited. So what's still coming? What are you still doing? What are the things that you can't wait to, to manifest, including a second book, just saying? <laughs> yes, of course, of course, of course. I have to say that um, the one thing that excites me is is obviously the the potential that our space, the the space that we work in in, in brand communication, has um, for a new generation of thinkers and leaders who are going to be leading it into its next phase. So. When I was growing up, I, I grew up looking at the likes of Nunu Jingila, you know, who, um, you know, inspired so many of us um, to know that we can make it um, to a, the highest level of the advertising industry, for example, if, if, you know, um, um, and business in, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the likes of Nguyen Nguyen Komo, who... Um, back in 1998, you know, started an internship to get black kids to get into advertising and brand communication. Um, you know, um, I think the likes of Hepin Jingela, who um, continued to be a lighthouse for um, leadership within the space. Um, and I think, you know, Peter Wundler, um, I can go on and on. And I think we have been left with such an amazing example of people that have done it. And I think what we need to now do, which is where my passion is, is to be able to push on the next wave of leaders, the, the Nunjingilas of tomorrow yes. um, in the industry. Because we are, seeing, we are seeing that the industry is bleeding black talent um, at the highest level of the C-suite within, um, you know, within the communication industry is leaving the industry to go to other corporates and other you know, your businesses. Um, and I think for me, it's, it's, it's quite challenging because we need to be able to have a pipeline you know, of leaders who are going to take over from them and, and be able to lead forward. So what excites me is being part of that story being part of a business that is going to be, you know, churning these incredible young strategists, creatives, writers, and thinkers who are going to be building an incredibly different yet exciting agency, agency experience um, of the future, industry um, of the future. Because now I can say that that, 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 um, that shift is taking place. And I think I know you are one of them. Um, our group is one of them. We are charting a completely different kind of industry. And I can almost guarantee you that in 10 years' time, we are going to be the forces that the industry in this country um, are going to listen to. And I think that is what excites me. So for us to get to that, we have to continue pushing, continue working. We have to be consistent because we can't be excellent in two years and then 
be dismal in, you know, for the next two. So we need to be you know, consistent, but we also need to lead. I think stepping up and, and leading. And I think for me, what excites me um, about my next phase is really about that, their leadership in, in, in building businesses that are going to become um, really big major businesses that are going to welcome and continue to sustain the industry going forward. Um, you know, that excites me. Oh man, and you are going to, I, I think that the dream that God has for you is bigger than you think. I think you've done big things now, but I, I see you really being a person who is a sage, who is going to really move us forward as black people, as Africans. I, I bless your life, Sylvester because you have been you. so many not in creating employment only but in creating a platform and a space for us to celebrate ourselves i i really wish that god blesses you and do me and your parents with everything all your heart's desires that you are kept safe that um all the things you enjoy just wrap you wrap you surround you and Magwanda Sylvester, thank you so, so much. Oh, that is amazing. That feels like a blanket you've just uh, placed around me and it's warm and kind and I, I, I'm so grateful for it. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it makes my heart sing um, and I feel humbled and really grateful. Um, and thank you for, for taking the time to speak to me today. Um, and as you can feel, you know, the, there's so much to say and there's so much to do. Um, but it's, it's through these conversations because this is going to live much longer than both of us. So, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Follow DNA Brand Architects. They are on Instagram. Their page is fantastic. He is Sylvester Chowuke on all the platforms. And support black be about black me and Sylvester are about black and uh, remember yeah. you can listen to this uh, podcast on Spotify um, as well as Apple Podcasts but if you want to see us because me and Sylvester were cute <laughs> <laughs> you can go to my YouTube channel to watch it or to look at the shambalala.com Sylvester um, thank you so much I love you you're amazing Thank you so much. I love you more and thank you so much again. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye, Slide. Oh. <laughs>